I think one of the funniest concepts in the world for me is the idea of time. And if you think about it, time never speeds up and time never slows down. But yet at the same time, we will say things like, it seems like time is flying by. Or we will go through seasons and times in our life where it seems on forever. Back when Cammie was pregnant with Kaylee, our fourth child, we had a sonogram here in Tyler at one of the appointments, and they said, we think we might see something wrong with her heart, and we want to refer you to a specialist in Dallas. And, and those specialists, it's not like, hey, they're going to get you on the books tomorrow. It's usually three or four weeks out. Cammie says two, I think three or four. I'm younger, we'll go with mine. And if anyone has a couch to rent for a week, just let me know. But I, I remember waiting for that appointment. And, and in our age today with Google and being able to search on the web these terms that you might have heard the doctor say and trying to figure out and your imagination starts to run and you start to, to wonder what could be wrong. And it felt like waiting forever. But if you think about it, the time was steady throughout the process. Time never slows down. It never speeds up. But the way we experience time changes through different seasons, through different events, as we wait, as we sit, as we long for things to move forward. Or maybe if you have kids in the home, maybe it's these moments of wishing it would go faster, and then as it does seem to go faster, wishing it could slow down. Time is a really funny concept. So I wanted to kind of use a little bit of an example with this this morning. Eli, you mind helping me out? You want to hold the end of the, the rope and just stand right there? And hopefully this will unroll nicely. Um, and I made a big knot. Always, yeah. I, I made it to where it would work perfectly. Unroll. I should have put someone else in charge of that. Devin, you mind helping me out? You want to stand down there at that end? And if y'all want to just kind of pull that. Just imagine this rope represents your life. Just go ahead and pull all that slack out there, both ends. So, somewhere along here, you're born, and you live your life, and you move through life, and some of you might be right in here, getting to the halfway point, getting close. Some of you might be at the end of your rope. 
But when we look at time, there are moments along the way where it seems to fly by. And there are moments where it seems to slow down. But what if we were able to reframe time? Because the way we typically look at it is I have this long life. If you're a male, you on average in the U.S. have 76.2 years. Some of you have made it past the average. Congratulations. If you're a female, 81 years is the average of your life. And so if you think of life along this spectrum, it seems like a long time. But what if you could reframe the way that you saw life? And and to reframe it in the sense of eternity. That, That this world and people have existed for thousands of years before you. And there are people along the way. And the the truth is this world will exist long after you are gone. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not this is our life, it's this is our life. And you only have one chance at life. There is no rewind button. There is no do-over. You get one chance. And, And the truth is, for about half the auditorium, you have about that much left. And the question is, what will you do with the life that you have to make an impact for future generations. Today as we celebrate and we bless parents, we, we ask the question, what kind of legacy will you leave the future generations that will come along behind you? Y'all can just drop that right here. We might come back to that in a few minutes. But what kind of legacy will you leave for the future generation, for your children, for their children. And the question, can we reframe time? Not to see time as, man, I have, you know, 80 years. I have 90 years. I have 100 years. But rather, I have one chance in my time here. And there is no way of knowing when it ends But the important question is what will the legacy be that I live? And in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 1, as God is talked to Moses and given him these, these decrees, Moses is talking to the people, the children of Israel, and he says, these are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land, as they, they get into the promised land, that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Going to verse 2. So that, and this little phrase keeps showing up over and over through these passages. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy a long life. Here, now now notice, this is not 
here. This is here. This is listen. This is pay attention. Hey, I got something important for you to grasp, to pay attention to. So listen, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And here's the thing. He didn't promise them. He promised their ancestors generations before. And they spend 40 years. Imagine our our rope. 40 years wandering in the desert. Wandering in the wilderness. Almost half of their life. And with their life expectancy, well over half of their life, I'm guessing. They are waiting. And my guess is it seems like time is moving so incredibly slow as they wander in the wilderness, waiting. But as God speaks to Moses, and He shares with Moses what He is going to teach the people, one of the things He continues to promise them is if you are obedient, you will be blessed. If you are obedient to me, you will be blessed. Blessing will follow obedience. And not in the sense of if you're obedient to God, He's going to give you a mansion and a really nice car and great clothes and lots of wealth. But in the sense of God will take care of you. And you will experience His goodness and joy in your life. If you will be obedient, blessing will follow obedience. Hear Israel. Why hear? Does Israel have a hearing problem? Do you think Israel has a problem not being able to hear the voice of God? Or do you think rather they have a doing problem? I don't know if it's, we don't hear what you're saying, God. I don't think this is, hey, here, Israel, listen to me. Pay attention. It's, hey, listen, pay attention, so that you will do it. So that you will be obedient. And if you will be obedient, blessing will follow. And so he goes on, verse 4, and he says this, Hear, again, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, there's four different places. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when, when you lie down, when you get up. It's this idea of continually keeping this a part of your family. 
a part of future generations. I want you to impress them on your children. Verse 8, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Make my word a part of your life so that it seeps into your heart and soul and mind so that you can be obedient to me with everything that you have and the blessing of God will follow. You you will see the goodness of God. And and I'll just say, as, as a parent, there are times where I feel like we do this really well. Where we're constantly talking to our kids. Where we're, we're reading together. But then I think there are also times where it gets really difficult. Where we get busy. And we're running and jumping from activity to activity. Thing to thing. Just, just constantly on the move. And it's so hard to remember. I, I take the kids to school most mornings. And most of the mornings, um, as we're leaving the house and trying to get all four kids out of the house on time with everything that they're supposed to have, I am a model Christian father. Um, Perfect in every way. And as I'm driving them to school, usually the number one thing on my mind is not, hey kids, how can we love Jesus today? It's rushing to get there and get them out of the car so that I can have some peace and quiet. That's not funny. That was serious. (laughs) And you remember how we talked a little bit about time speeding up and time slowing down? The older we get, and the older our kids get, time is flying by. And we ask the question, well, how did our baby become a freshman in high school? How is it our our youngest is in first grade? We don't have a lot of time in the grand scheme of things. And the question is, what will they do? How will they impact the next generation? How will they parent their children and their children? Because that little segment of life that we get That little segment is gone in an instant. But you can so easily waste it. You can waste it being successful at so many things that don't matter. Making money and being successful 
in all the ways the world will say, that is how you live. And yet miss the reason that you're here. How, how will you spend that brief period of time that you have to influence your children? That you have to influence your grandchildren? Life is short. And we only have a little bit of time to make a lasting impression. A few weeks ago, I was taking Ryan to Longview. They were playing in a baseball tournament. And I pulled off of our street onto Paluxy, and we're driving down towards the loop. And all of a sudden, this policeman reaches his hand out the window and says, as he's going the other direction. And I see his lights come on and he does a U-turn and he has me pull into a neighborhood and he gets out and he says, where are you going in such a hurry? So, well, we're going to Longview and we're running a little late. We're going to play baseball. I didn't say I was a preacher. That's, <laughs> that's plan B if plan A it doesn't work. But he said, where are you going in such a hurry? And so I tell him. And thankfully, he gave me a warning. He was super nice. He gave me a warning. And so I drive the rest of the way the speed limit on the, the loop, and I get on the road and heading to Longview, and I set my cruise control. Because here's the thing with our cars now is they go so fast, so smoothly, that sometimes you don't realize that you're going 85 or 90 miles an hour, even in your minivan. Because <laughs> that's how we roll. But, but you can be going 90 and not feel it. Back when I was in college, I had a 91 Buick Century. And when you got to 65, you knew it. <laughs> you didn't have to look at the speedometer. You felt... <laughs> And you prayed that your wheels did not fall off the car. But now, like when I, I travel, I rely so much on that cruise control. Because you set it, and then you kind of stop paying attention. You stop really worrying. I wonder how much of our life is lived just on cruise control. I wonder how much of our life is just, man, this is what we always do. It's our routine. But if that's it, that brief period of time that you have here to make an impact, what will you do? Why are you here? What, what is the purpose of this little bit of time that you have? See, see, God felt that this period of time for you was primarily about three things. His glory, representing Him as His priest in this world, and blessing the world through you. That, that was the why that you're here. 
That was the purpose. And that you would use this time so that your children and their children and their children would not end here. But their story would go on into eternity. That it would be a story that does not have an end. Why are you here? Why why was it so important that our kids would be a part of that story? Why, Why was it so important that we would impress them on them? That they would be a part of this thing that we call faith and this journey? Why did God need this to get into the heart and soul of the next generation? And I think the reason is because God had this fear. And I know that sounds really weird saying, well, God was afraid. But I think God was afraid for us. So just a little bit later, as he continues to talk about the obedience and the blessing, he goes on to say this in in chapter 8. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied. When everything in your life is going really well, and you're experiencing the blessing of God because of your obedience, as you've walked with Him for these 40 years in the wilderness, as you've followed Him, as you've been obedient, as you've trusted Him, be careful! Right? Our His blessing will follow obedience. Be careful. Be careful. Because then your heart will become proud. You get to this point where it's like everything that that I've accomplished, look at everything that I've done and what I've worked for and what I've earned and what I deserve. And I deserve to have this house and these cars and this clothes clothes and this money. I I deserve it all because I've worked for it. I've earned it. But he says, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble you and test you so that in the end it might 
go well. That your obedience would bring that blessing on your life. But you may say, you may say, my power, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors, as it is to this day. Listen, Israel. Listen to me. I need you to hear these words. If you're not careful, you're going to start looking around your life and say, man, look at what I've done. And that pride, I'm telling you, it grips our heart and it does not let go. Look at what I've done. Look at who I am. Look at what I have produced. Be careful. Because that 40 years that you've been journeying in the grand scheme of things looks a lot more like that. Be careful. Because you only have just a little bit of time to make a lasting impact. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life pursuing things that don't really make a difference, that don't really matter. And, and my problem, I've told you before, I have spiritual ADD. I have spiritual ADD where I am constantly trying to redirect myself to the ways of Jesus, to following Him and to walking with Him. But there are so many things that pull me off course. There's the snakes and the scorpions and there's the wilderness, but there's also the blessing of the promised land. That distract me. That make me forget. But I think God had a, a way to help us with the problem of pride. And, and that's how he began this section in verse, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied. Praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Praise the Lord your God. God's prescription for pride is praise. How do you counteract pride? How do you keep pride from taking over your life? Praise Jesus, let that consume your heart and soul and mind. And remember, remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gave you the ability to produce wealth. It's Him who gave you everything. Your ability to think and dream and imagine and create and build. He gave it all to you. Don't 
forget. I think that was God's fear. I think that was His fear for us. That when we were in the wilderness, it's pretty easy to listen to His voice and follow. But when we're in the promised land and everything is going well, the pride begins to take over. And we have a tendency to forget. And so we reframe our life. We reframe our life and realize that it's just this short period of time. And wherever we are in that journey, we refocus from that point forward to making an impact that lasts for eternity. Don't forget the goodness of God as you experience the blessing of God. Don't experience God's blessing and think, well, this was my strength and my power and my wisdom and my wealth. We refocus our life with a posture of humility. Parents, that time is short. In fact, it's 900 and 36 weeks from the time your child is born until they walk across the stage at graduation. 936 weeks that they're in your care. 936 weeks I remember seeing this jar when I put it together when we moved here in 2013. Gracie was in kindergarten, or had just finished kindergarten. I was going into first grade. And it was somewhere. little above that. Our freshman in high school doesn't have much time left in our home. My little baby. What will we do with the time that we have left to impact the rest of her life for eternity? What will you do to impact the rest of your kid's life for eternity? Your grandkids' life for eternity. You have one chance at life. There are no do-overs. 
there's no rewind. Don't waste your life. Father, today, we are grateful in your presence. Grateful for your goodness and love. Grateful for your blessing. And Father, we pray today that you would help us to reframe our life through the lens of eternity and refocus as once again we come back to you begging for your grace, begging for your mercy, once again trusting you with all we have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.